So last week, we began an examination of sorts of the first half of Matthew chapter 2, where Matthew inserts this interesting story in the birth narrative of Jesus about this group of non-Jews from the east uh, that look at the stars and are called magi and end up finding Jesus. So these guys are traditionally known to us as the three wise men, even though scripture doesn't say there were three, and scripture nowhere calls them overtly wise. But my premise was that we would, before we dismiss that adjective wise for these however many there were, I thought let's look at this half chapter of Matthew and see if Matthew explains why maybe they earned Did they earn that title as being wise throughout the ages of Christianity? And so I found five qualities that aren't just qualities, they're also actions that these wise men are recorded as having expressed that from our Christian perspective would definitely qualify them as wise, as as men of wisdom. And qualities that I believe we would do well to emulate if we want to be men and women of wisdom as well. So last week we took note that they're wise because they were seeking God in Jesus Christ. By our economy, that's enough, right? That's it. That, we think that's the greatest move a human being can make. It's the wisest thing a human can do is to make their life about find the pursuit of God in Jesus Christ. And so that's enough. But this week I want to look at another quality Um, that again is also an action that they took. And in this instance, for this week, it's also an experience that they had. It's all three of those that, that I believe we can look at them and say that they are wise. And that is that they were rejoicing. They were rejoicing. And rejoicing is, it's a longer word, but it is another version of the word joy. They were receiving, experiencing, and overtly expressing joy. Now, one thing before I show you where we got this, where I get this from the text, it occurred to me that a focus on rejoicing is a bit ironic because rejoicing does not happen by focusing on rejoicing. Like joy is not something that happens by white knuckling it and and focusing on joy. I'm going to have joy. I'm going to rejoice that even though we are focusing on joy today. The focus on joy does not result in joy. The focus on rejoicing does not result in rejoicing. So what I noticed here in this text is that it is, joy is something that happens to people when they're focused on something else. And that something else is worthy of joy. That something else is worthy of rejoicing. That's what happens here. And so with that in mind, here's the part of the text. It's in Matthew 2, starting in verse 9, that I got this. It says, they went on their way from King Herod. They went on their way, and the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child Jesus was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now, this word that the NIV uses, overjoyed, I thought this was, they weren't just joyed. They were overjoyed. I think of overdrive. You know, just this is a this is meant to be, I believe, by the NIV translators, a pretty like a, a packed word. This isn't your normal everyday 
experience of joy, though that would be fine with me. You know, that, that's enough. But they were overjoyed. And even though the NIV chose this word, overjoyed, as to interpret this, I think even when I looked at the Greek, even the NIV does a disservice to the intensity of joy that these guys were were experiencing and expressing. So let me explain. When you go to the Greek, you find out it, it's, there's more words being used than just one. And the NIV just uses one. So I went to the old reliable New King James Version. The New King James Version, for those of you interested, uh, the translators there tried to be a little more strict in their interpretation of the Greek. And so here's the New King James Version. And I checked it. It is right in line with the Greek. It says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. All right? So joy is used twice in different forms. The first one is rejoice. Now, that's the word Cairo. Cairo's a verb. It's the verb. It's the doing of joy. It's the act of joy in whatever way it comes out. It's an inward experience, right? It's an inward action, rejoicing is, but it naturally exerts itself outwardly. So when I looked in the Greek dictionary for Cairo to find out what that meant, it's an it's, it's to be cheerful, okay? But that, even that word's not enough. It's not happy, happy, joy, joy, you know, cheerful. It's cheerful. It's a very sober, meaningful uh, fullness of cheer. It goes on to define it as being ex- emotionally well off. I love that. To be emotionally well off. Wouldn't you consider it wise for anyone that has any kind of say over their own lives, for them to walk around the world emotionally well off, how much easier would the stuff we're dealing with, how would we react to it if we dealt with it from a beginning place of being emotionally well off? I love this definition of of rejoicing to actually be, because it's a verb, emotionally well off, to be full when we deal with the bad news, to be full when we're watching what's going on in the world, to be full when we're having difficulty, struggles relationally with things, our own health problems, to be emotionally well off. And so they rejoice, that's the verb form, with the noun form, joy. They rejoiced with joy. And that's the word Cairo, which, you know, it means cheerfulness, delight, gladness, it is sometimes interpreted as the noun. It's what you have. Joy, the thing, results in joy, the activity called rejoicing. But that's not enough. That he says it twice lets us know this was a lot of joy, but he puts an adjective in there. He says it's great joy. Again, not just your normal everyday joy, which would be plenty for me in a typical day. But these guys, and this Greek word is one of my favorite, megas. It's where we get our word mega or huge, or massive. This is a massive, huge, mega joy that these guys are using as their fuel for rejoicing. And one adjective is clearly not enough for Matthew. He adds a second one. You see it there. It's exceedingly. And the Greek word for that is sphadra. Sphadra, I looked it up. It means exceedingly exceedingly or greatly or to a high degree. So these guys, when you look at the Greek, he is making this huge point. When that star gets over the baby Jesus, they are experiencing, they are acting out 
a joy that comes from this exceedingly large, major, mega joy. In Sphadra, it had in the dictionary I looked at that it's related to the, I guess it's the plural, I don't know, Sphadras. The important part is it's borderline violent. It's used for violence, Sphadras is. So this is a borderline violent it, this is a, provoke, a provoking picture of joy that these guys had going on. Sphadra Megas Kara. If you say it just right, it sounds kind of Klingon. Sphadra Megas Kara. I just like that. This is what they were experiencing. This is what they were enjoying. So we have to ask. We have to ask. If we consider this act of rejoicing wise and we want to emulate this we have to ask why why were they experienced this because we're not going to just white knuckles fadra megas chorus we're not going to just do it because we're talking about it why were they we'll go back to that niv word to sum it up overjoyed it's not because they were focusing on rejoicing that they were rejoicing it's because they were focusing on god and setting their sights on finding God. And then, when they followed this star, and they find what they left home for from far away, what they'd researched, what they'd asked questions about and studied, you know, they got the word from Herod's chief priest that he's, this, this, this little baby is going to be God, and he's going to be in Bethlehem. And they get there, and then they find him. What do you expect their reaction to be? Because of what they were focused on, of course they experienced joy. Don't you want to experience that? Don't you want to be like emotionally well off at that level as you walk through this life? So the question is then, what star can we set our sights on to cause that? So I looked through the rest of Matthew just once I got this Greek word. I looked, where else did he use this word? And the next usage is just a few pages over. Jesus uses it. It's right at the end of the Beatitudes. Right at the end, right in the midst of, of like maybe the worst news in the Beatitudes where it says, you will suffer. You're going to suffer. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be insulted. All kinds of evil things are going to be said about you. You're, you're going to suffer. And and. Then there's this phrase I'm going to tell you. And then he says, the prophets had this happen. It's going to happen to you. Right in the midst of this horrible news, he says this, Matthew 5, 12. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Church, pause for a minute here. How long has it been since you've let that really sink in? You are going to heaven. How long has it been since you've really settled into and focused on this basic theological doctrine of our Christian faith that you are going to heaven? If, if, you're, if you haven't focused on that and you're struggling with experiencing joy, well, no wonder. And Here's the deal. Is your picture of heaven something worth going to? Because if your picture isn't accurate, if you've got some lesser picture or you have no picture of heaven, it probably isn't that impactful. But 
the idea, the truth that you're going to have, and here's what Jesus said, direct command if you ever saw one. Rejoice, be glad. Now, he knows you can't just rejoice and be glad by white knuckling either, so he gave us the star to look at. He gave us the because. He says, because you are going to heaven. And that must be some power-packed joy that that would create for him to put it right in the midst of this horrible news that we're going to be insulted and persecuted and evil's coming our way. We're going to be treated like the prophets. We might even be put to death. But rejoice, be glad. Why? Because you're going to heaven. Is that enough? to cause your being emotionally well off in spite of cancer or difficulties, broken relationships. supposed to be. It's supposed to be. And if it's not, the only reason that it's not is either because you're not focusing on it or the picture that you have of heaven isn't worth it. Heaven is a place worth going to. If your picture of heaven's not accurate, then the idea that you're going there might be about as joy-producing as the news that you're going to go run to the store and get some napkins. Right? That's, if, if it has the same level of, like, reaction inside of you, then your picture of heaven might be lacking. Most of you who've been here a while, you remember, some of you don't know this, as my kids were growing up, they're all gone now, but now, you know, when they were growing up, I would rotate a kid every, every year, I would save up money, save up some time, and I would dedicate it to taking one of my kids on some big trip somewhere. It was a lot of fun, I highly recommend it, just all that, now that they're gone, you know, we have those father-kid moments, trips, it was pretty cool, I highly recommend it for you with young kids. And uh, so anyway, one of the, the second trip that I took shade on, my oldest son, he was 11, and uh, we went to the Philippines. And this was an incredible trip. We got to uh, partner up with our missionary that we support over there at Lady Christian College, uh, the East Steps. Johnny was great, and he, we got to do this mission stuff, Shade and I did. And then after we spent a week there, we spent a few days with Johnny and his wife. We went to... Uh, the Hawaii of the Philippines, which is Barakai, this beautiful island surrounded by ocean, but it's like smooth as glass because the ocean's surrounded by islands. And it was just, anyway, everything about this was great. So when we got back, we gathered with the family and, you know, his younger brother and sister and, and mom, and he reports on this. He talks about all the rich things he did and saw, the beautiful things that he got to see and participate in on Barakai, but then the, the beautiful things and the exciting things that he did when we ministered alongside these students and to these students and the poor that, that we saw and got to do something about. And just, it was, it was awesome. And so Callie is sitting in that room and you know, later when I asked her, because this is so great, I'm either going on a trip with one of my, I am always going on a trip with someone, planning the trip with another kid, dreaming up what trip we're going to do with the other kid. So that's always happening. Every three-year cycle, just rotating through. And when I did get to ask Callie where she wanted to go when it was her turn, which was the next year, you know what she said? The Philippines. She wanted to go to the Philippines. Why? Because she's never been there. But she has this picture that now has implanted down in her heart that that is a place worth going to. And so 
that's, if she had a lesser picture of the Philippines or no picture of the Philippines, she would have had none, no excitement to go. And so we started planning our trip to the Philippines and this Svadra Megascara started taking root in her. Every time we would talk about it, what's your picture of heaven? I know you've never been there. Jesus has. He has when he says this. He knows how powerful it is if you will just open up to what it is. Is your picture of heaven worth going to? I read a book on heaven years ago and he had interviewed ministers about heaven and he he told the story of one minister that, that literally admitted to him that he was not looking forward to heaven, that the idea of heaven depressed him. And this guy's like, what? How can the idea of heaven depress you? And he goes, I just can't stand the thought of the endless tedium. And he says, what are you talking about? You know, just what are we going to be doing up there? Just all we've got is a harp and, you know, and I've grown up in churches that said, isn't this going to be great? It's going to be this awesome worship service in the sky, only we never have to go home. We just stay at worship. Okay. Wow. The younger you get, the less exciting that is. And, and so I was like, I was like, where did this Bible-believing, seminary-educated minister get this view? It's not from Scripture. It's not from Scripture where Paul says he's got this rich life that he loves with tons of people that he loves, adventure, personified. It's all meaningful. It's about Jesus. And yet he says, what do I choose if I have the choice? It's better by far to go. So however good this life is, that's like the baseline, isn't it? However good it is here, that's the baseline of how good it's going to be there. It's going to be better. I mean, it's least got to be as good as your best experience here, doesn't it? There's an old song that still makes, it still, it still lasted, especially at funerals when we do finally focus on heaven. Even if we don't any other time, we do at funerals, and it's called I Can Only Imagine. When it first came out, super popular, and I believe it was because it was confronting this generation's false view of heaven that made it something less than it is. Not a place worth going to. Not a place that when you just remember that's your landing spot, ultimately, it makes you emotionally well off depend, no matter what you're dealing with here. It confronted all these false views. And that comes from Scripture. That whole, that whole song comes from Scripture. 1 Corinthians 2.9 where it says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. I've, I tell you, in my life, I've been blessed, my little small lifespan, I have still seen some incredible sights. I, I could just spend all day talking about it. I have heard some amazing things. And I've got a vivid imagination. I have imagined some pretty fantastical stuff. And I'm not coming close to what heaven's going to be. To the sight that it's going to be. To, to how great it's going to be. I have not come close. There's a couple of descriptions that, that a couple of stories from my youth ministry years that really uh, confronted my false view of heaven and helped me just open up my imagination to where maybe what happened to these wise men can happen to me when I'm thinking about what Jesus says will help me be emotionally well off. 
The first one was when I was 30 years old, and I've told you all this story before, but it's been decades. I keep asking. When I repeat a story, I'm like, do you remember this story? No. Okay, good, good. All right. But some of you haven't heard this, but it's a great story. Anyway, I was 30 years old. It was my birthday, and my wife, she, I've been married a couple years to my wife, and she gave me for my 30th birthday the gift of skydiving. I'd always wanted to go skydiving. She knew that. She did the research. Skydive Houston is about 20, 30 minutes from my house. She gave me the gift of skydiving. I went, I mean, I was Spadra Megas Karos. I was excited about this and questioning a little about, I thought, how my marriage was going. Just, just a little. <laughs> thought it was going well. But anyway, so she gave me that. So, so this was so exciting. When I went, I went to a class for eight hours. This isn't the, the, the uh, where you just watch a 30-minute video and strap onto somebody who takes care of everything. This is accelerated free fall class. It's where you sit in class. You're going to be doing it yourself first time. They'll, they'll jump out with you at first, but then they let go. You have to know how to pull. You have to know how to deal with any issues with your chute all on your own. So, so it's a long class is my point. And this instructor, somewhere along the way, we had about 12 or 15 of us in the class. Someone asked, how many times have you done this? And he, it was over 800 times. He has jumped out of an airplane over Asia. He saw the look in our eyes. He goes, I always get this. Let me, I explain it like this. So, so the, I, when I did it my first time, like y'all are today, I did it. It was the greatest thing I'd ever done. Now, let me just ask you, if you could do the greatest thing you've ever done again, would you? How much would you pay? And how many times? I <laughs> went, that's great. See, he knows. He's been there. We haven't. We're just looking at how much this one jump costs. Thinking times 800. We're looking at how much time we're investing in it. Times 800. He's done it. And something about that just in my youth minister head made me open up my mind to what I don't know about heaven. That I can only imagine. I've, I, I don't know this is going to be a great experience. I imagine skydiving is going to be a great experience. And it was. But 800 times, the testimony of that guy, that helped me open up to this. Another story in youth ministry. I was at a camp uh, called Youth Wave. You remember that, Kyle? We went to go to Youth Wave with, with a group of our kids, and we'd, it is a leadership camp. And Todd Brown, our buddy, was there that week doing the keynotes at night, and it was a whole week on the subject of heaven. Another little shout-out here to next year's agenda of going to accelerator events. This changed my life, focusing on heaven for a week. It accelerated my discipleship and changed my life. That's, that's the value. He who has ears, let him hear. Okay, so anyway, I'm, 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 I'm focusing on heaven, and our youth group is too, and we're in a little debriefing session with our youth groups like we always were. And one of my students, he, we're just all sharing kind of what are you learning about heaven? And he goes, man, I just feel like I've never thought of it like this. Here's what I feel like is going to happen when I, when I wake up in heaven, when, whenever that, he was a new Christian. And, and he goes, here's what I feel like it's going to be like. I'm going to open my eyes. You know, I'll wake up, and the first thing I'm going to see, it's just going to be so beautiful. I'm just going to, I'm going to go. And he just sits there. And he says, I feel like I, it's the first sight. I don't know what it's going to be. Whatever it is in heaven, Jesus, I don't know. Whatever it is. And it's going to take me an eternity just to soak in that first sight. All of its beauty. All of its awesomeness. Like it'll be a journey just looking at it. He said, so finally, after an eternity, I will finish exhausting everything there is to exhaust in that first sight. And I'll finally stop and I'll go. 
You see what he's doing? He's imagining how great it's going to be because that's your baseline. This has power. This has power according to Jesus. Power to make us emotionally well off in the midst of suffering, in the midst of outright persecution. This has power to do that for us. Are you grasping this? Abraham said in Hebrews 11.10, it says about Abraham that he was looking forward to the city with foundations. What What was he looking forward to? The promised holy land, Jerusalem? No, he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. That's what carried him through his life. A few verses later, Abraham's descendants had to feel pretty good leaving slavery and going to the Holy Land, going to Jerusalem. But it says in verse 16 that they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. I'll never forget back to Cali. You know, like I said, I would, anticipation was part of the fun. And so I would go in with different pictures from Mine and Shade's trip and we'd talk about these people and this kid that we met. You're gonna get to meet her and here's what we did and here's a little neighborhood down the street from the school that you're gonna get to take food and candy to the kids there. It's gonna be, you know, and she's just, I mean, just joy, joy. She wanted to talk about it all the time. So when we got later in the year, this is where her joy kind of became Svadra Megas Karos, okay, right here. So we got a little closer and it's time for me to purchase tickets. I start looking at ticket options and there are some tickets, some of the tickets go through China. Time out. Callie, for some reason, starting when she was like five years old, I don't know why, she got China on her mind and she just always said, had an interest in China and said, I, one day I'm going to go to China. I might move to China. I mean, she's little, you know? So of course I'm always taking note of this. But anyways, we get to this plan to go to the Philippines and I see the ticket goes through there. You know, you can do a layover on one leg of your trip for no more money, right? And so I tried to work it out. Could I do a trip to the Philippines. Instead of going to the Hawaii of the Philippines, we stop it in China for, and we, I did it. I got it to where we were going to go through Beijing and we're going to have three days there. I found a tourist company, someone who speaks English, who's going to take us to the Great Wall. And I mean, the, this place called the Temple of God, all these famous places. And, and I'm trying to decide, do I, do I tell her? Do I just do I just get on the plane in the Philippines and stop in China? I mean, what do I do? Anyway, as we got closer, I just couldn't, I couldn't keep it in anymore. So I added some pictures of the Great Wall of China and a couple other things that she knows is in China. And so she's going through the pictures like she does, and she gets to the China. And she goes, they have one of these in the Philippines? There's not a Great Wall in the Philippines. And I'm just grinning quietly. And she goes, we're not going to China. We're going to the Philippines. And I'm just knowingly grinning and she goes she's 11 are we going to China and I smiled I still not saying anything Svadra Megas Karos jumped up on the bed and she starts jumping up and down grabs my hands has me on the bed trying not to break it she is through the roof she's never been there she's never been there But in her little heart, for years, she had decided China is a place worth going to. Look, if you're going to be wise, like these wise men, you need to examine your heart. You need to listen to what Jesus says, 
who says rejoice, be glad, be emotionally well off despite everything you're dealing with down here. Why? Because you are going to heaven. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. As we finish up here, I want to read John's attempt. You know, in Revelation, he gets the, 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 the curtains pulled back and he gets a sight what's going on spiritually and he gets this view of heaven in his vision and I want to read of course there are no words but I want to read his attempt at describing it I'm going to ask the elders and ministers to go ahead and move around the room the praise team if y'all would come on up back up here and uh, prepare to finish us out while I read Revelation 22 verses 1 through 5 then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Church, how great do you imagine heaven being? Whatever your picture is, double it quadruple it, multiply it times 10. That's your first day. That's your first hour. Multiply that times 100. That's your second hour. Multiply that times infinity. That will be your second day. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. No more tears. No more tears there. We It ends like this, and they will reign. That's us. They will reign forever and ever. If we can help you in any way, please come as we stand and praise God for this great place.